I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Superfan Chats. Today we are going to be discussing episodes 26 to 28. That's right, we finally caught up, although I think by the time this goes out we will be behind. So any (laughs) theories that we come up with today may be completely irrelevant, but we're going to give it a go anyway. I'm Superfan Sam Oaks and joining me today we have two other Superfans, Pippa and Hannah. Hey guys! Hello! It's lovely to be back! (laughs) I know, right? And we've got some things to talk about, namely the episode that I'm going to be discussing. But we'll get to that because we've got a couple of episodes to get through first. We have. Oh my god, they're all so jam-packed with stuff! Juicy! Yeah. So much backstory! (laughs) So much backstory! And front story! Both stories! (laughs) All story. Side story, all around story. It's just good. And like, honestly, one of the best guest appearances I've ever heard. But you know, we'll get to that. All things in time. Yeah. So shall we uh, crack on with the recap section of this then? We're going to be recapping the things first and then hopefully having a little bit of time afterwards to properly discuss things, to theorise, to full on geek out. Who's kicking us off? Who took I'm going episode first. 26? I've got episode 26, which is called Miscalculation. Amazing. Take it away. Yeah, I'll kick us off. So uh, this episode starts with this huge epic battle with this molten elemental creature that's coming running towards the party. They've also got this this young girl with these kind of mysterious contraptions strapped to her and she's she's running towards the party as well. And there's some really, really good shots. There are some that really, really don't work. (laughs) One of the one of the notable ones is, is Gwen trying to use this new wand of revealing that she's got and it just not working at all. Orin uses his, his dragon, which he fits with the new pebble head. I'm really intrigued to know how many different heads this dragon has. I know. Don't know. I'm kind of losing track of how many we've seen. There's only two or three. <laughs> how did he carry them all? Where are they all? Are they just <laughs> on his shoulders? So many questions. Yeah. So many questions. <laughs> and Kidu scores this like massive, massive blast of damage. He's got two Eldritch Blasts now as well. And yeah, just loads of loads of interesting kind of new stuff comes out in this battle. You've got this girl fiddling with her backpack and it turns into armour. She kind of hits off some some lightning damage as well. You've got Gaius casting Ben the Truth, which is a new one for him, I think, as well. Yeah. And yeah, Orin's big mistake of deciding to cast some fire damage. 
On a fire creature. A fire creature, which can only (laughs) go well, right? Poor Orin. So this creature then doubles in size and everyone's not particularly happy about this. We also have this interesting thing with with Enkidu, with this tattoo on the back of his hand, which he discusses later, which enables him to cast Compel Duel, which again, I think is a a new thing for him. Yeah. Didn't they all level up to level five, like right before the fight? Yes, they did. This is why, isn't it? This is why they've got all these new new abilities and things. Yeah. Uh, You've also got poor Gwen, who is very much a kind of face-to-face fighter, realising that she's actually got very little that she can do other than throw things at it which will catch fire. Or burn. Or or burn, exactly. So (laughs) can't punch fire. Bless her. So she resorts to throwing a rock at this creature, which did make me smile. That was excellent. Finally, Orin pulls out his new goose teapot and throws it into the air and it becomes this kind of mechanical goose and it's got little wings and it's got a little rocket burner and little forky feet. It does shocking grasp on the creature and that's what ultimately defeats it. That's the end of the battle, and then the, the little girl runs up to this defeated monster that's just a mound of rocks and, and rubble, and much to the party's intrigue, starts collecting bits of this. Uh, she introduces herself. She's, she's Mara Wing Thrup, which immediately makes all their ears prick up. Yeah. And she, she kind of half explains about how she accidentally created this creature with natural power sources called elementals and how she uses batteries to power things, which makes Orin's ears prick up. They have a little bit of a discussion about whether they're a group of heroes in this kind of nine-year-old's way of like, well, what are you called then? (laughs) Juna tells her that they're called the Order of the Mark, but doesn't tell the others. So when this girl shouts it out loud, she's like, oh, well, why are you called that? Nobody knows what she's talking about. (laughs) Gwen does really well with persuading Myra to trust her and to be her friend. And Myra checks out that wand as well. And she recognises it as being a Wingthrup wand which is quite interesting. That makes you wonder how the Vondells know the Wingthrups. The conversation between the two of them also sets out that the Rose family and the Wingthrup family are competitors. And she confides to Gwen as well that she is on a, on a secret mission to the Golden Forest because she thinks that her parents have been either changed or replaced. And she's on this mission to ask her cousin Verisine for some help. The group decide that they're going to accompany her north and there's a, a funny exchange with, with Myra and Orin about her travelling workshop. And it's, yeah, Orin's conflict of wanting to know absolutely everything about what Myra knows, but also not wanting to be bested by a nine-year-old. It's just <laughs> brilliant, makes for brilliant exchanges with him. Oh, the pride. And then uh, finally over dinner, Orin introduces his, his new goose teapot, which he's called Aggie. And to kind of welcome Aggie, Juna changes Ruano into a goose as well. <laughs> Myra falls asleep and Gaius plays a little lullaby on the flute to kind of help with that. And the conversation turns to Enkidu's hand tattoo. And he explains that he's recently managed to imbue it with the magic that will protect the group. And when talking about this Order of the Mark name, Juna unexpectedly takes off all her clothes and reveals herself to be covered from elbow to knee in tattoos. And that's the cliffhanger and the bombshell that we end that episode on. Oh, she's so bad. <laughs> what an episode. So good. I mean, who wants to start off with this one? Because the thing that I took most out of it was like, oh my god, another artificer. Yes, uh, like Orin can learn some things. And then the two of them just instantly do not get on. I mean, she is a snotty little nine-year-old. She is. She is clearly like grown up in a very wealthy, privileged household. And what I love about Myra is just how open she is about, well, I'm really clever. Not everyone is as clever as me. People who don't know how to do this are a bit stupid, aren't they? 
So, of course, it totally rubs Orin up the wrong way. <laughs> there's, there's no shame in that at all over as well, yeah. is there? I do kind of wonder if that is the family dynamic, though, because she does go on to explain it a little bit more in further episodes, and it kind of sounds like every person in the family has a responsibility. She's clearly been trained since she was very, very young to be this good by the age of nine. So is she more just, like, repeating the things that she was told when she wasn't getting things right? And, you know, Orin not quite being up to a standard which just obviously gets his back up and an opportunity to potentially learn from each other obviously Myra doesn't think she can learn anything from Orin but I don't know whether like that door has been closed prematurely (laughs) or because of like yeah okay fire monster don't use a fire spell on it that is bread and butter and you could tell from Ben's reaction to that it's just like oh my god why did I just do that but you said nobody was happy about it the only person I think that was happy about it on that podcast you could hear David's glee (laughs) <laughs> uh, when he was describing this thing getting bigger oh that's classic uh D blunder though isn't it because when you're rolling dice and you're like oh my god it's my turn what am i gonna do there's like the panic sets in about how are we gonna do it and then you're like yeah i'll make this decision and then it's only later that you're like that was so stupid why did i do and that and it's great that it comes from orin i mean we've talked about enkidu making blunders and being very impulsive and things not going his way when he's not really thought things through but for someone who is as intellectual as Orin, to make a big mistake like that is is quite delicious. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Also, I loved the introduction of fantasy batteries. Yes, yeah. Like, so clever. Well done, David. Genius. It just opens up. Like, obviously, when you've got a world full of artificers, there are going to be all kinds of, like, magical contraptions and that kind of thing. But the idea that, like, they can trap elementals to power things just opens up such a cool, steampunky fantasy vibe yeah. that has kind of lifted it from the sort of more, like, old school swords and sorcery, sort of slightly medieval-y ideas that I had in my head into a much more, like, fantasy industrial thing. Yes. So I'm really excited as to how this will influence the setting and influence the sort of sense we have of what the world is like. Because we're getting more of a sense of like how magic works in this world because we've got the old magic that we saw with Ruana and the Henge there, you know, that being very much ties to the natural magics of the world and she had a very different magic type to everybody else. Mm. But it is this kind of idea that now there's created magic you know, there will be things in this world that don't you're not going to see in the, the player's handbook or the Dungeon Master's Guide because they are powered by something else. You know, I don't know if you watch like Avatar and Legend of Korra and stuff like that, but the difference between those two series where you start to get magic being created so that anybody can do different things. And, you know, like, you know, what does that mean for the organizations? Like, you know, will the Hex be able to get more power because they're able to use these things that use elemental power, these power cells? compared to like the arcanists who are very old magic and whether we'll see a bit more of a conflict from them in the future yeah it's really exciting Mm. really really good addition yeah definitely and that starts creeping in in the next episode as well just when you start seeing more of these gadgets appearing sort of the closer we get to the wingthrops also the secret mission and myra's does she say in episode 26 what what she's doing she does doesn't she she tells Gwen yes but Gwen I don't think Gwen's told the others by that point yeah that her parents aren't her parents they've been yeah. replaced yeah. somehow she doesn't really go into detail about this though she just says that they've been replaced or they've been changed or I think the quote is my parents are not my parents but she doesn't yeah. really explain how she knows that you know whether it's 
it's something really kind of sinister or whether she's just... Yeah, it's definitely unnerving. She clearly is a very intelligent nine-year-old and if her parents are so different to her that it would make her literally run away to investigate it. Yeah, and hide from the people that are following as well, you know, looking for her. It's, yeah, it's very ominous and we've heard of body snatchers in this game. You know, there's been... (laughs) There's been a fair amount of that dropped in recently. There's a lot recently. of people who are not who they seem to be. Faceless exactly. Footman, unresolved mystery. <laughs> <laughs> so annoyed by that. I think my question is, you know the the mission, that the thing about the, the progeny and there being something hidden in the Golden Forest? Yes. I did wonder whether Myra is that progeny. Ooh. Ooh. Go on. Well, I haven't entirely thought that through, but given that she's, you know, if they've if they've changed her parents, maybe they've changed more of her family as well, and yet she seems to be the only one unchanged. And maybe there's there's something more deeper going on inside all the Wingthrups. Adding another thread yeah. to our board of connections, <laughs> our red string. Yes, give me a moment. I'm just going to update my uh, <laughs> my board. <laughs> so this string connects to this one. It's all making sense. <laughs> I do love. Um, I love in this episode how good Gwen is with Myra, especially given what we've been told about her being quite a difficult child herself. Yeah, like not for the same reasons, but it's been alluded to that she had anger issues as a child, and it's quite <laughs> nice to see her take on this more mothering mm. role to another child who is not instantly likable. Yeah, it's just kind of it's, it's that kind was of, a really interesting dynamic. Yeah. Big sister, little sister yeah, vibes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. get a sense of maybe what she's like with her little sister Primrose. Oh yeah, and that's really cute. Oh, yeah, I want to meet Prim. Me too. I'm sure that'll happen in the future. Maybe one of us can guest play them. No. Uh... Wouldn't it be hilarious if Prim is a barbarian? Yes. <laughs> Just popping into my mind. Like, she's got the rage. It's like a family rage. And then Gwen's had training to channel it into, like, decorum and being a monk. And then there's this, like, little sister that's just wild. That's my fantasy in my mind. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Just, I know this is nothing to do with the episode, but do you think that Prim is also half-orc? Or do you think that part comes from Gwendolyn's mother's side? Ooh, do they have the same mother, you mean, or are they half-siblings? Mm. Well, th- this is what I'm wondering, because there have been a few kind of, like, hints about Gwendolyn's mother being a part of Orkosh. Mm. Like this mortal uprising the ones that technically won you know the orkosh magic being somewhat grander than other magics and she's never actually met her mother but her mother came from there does that mean that the orc blood side of her comes from her mother's line i did assume that yeah i mean there was i think it was in i think it was in the red house when her mind was being read by eovet and she was saying she was trying to think about her mother and then later there was a thing about her dreaming about a highway orc mm. Oh, yeah. I was assuming that was her that was her yeah. mum. So yeah, I think you're you're probably right about that, Sam. Ooh. But that's interesting whether Prim is full sister or half sister and so whether she'll be half orc or not. Yeah, that's not been confirmed or denied, has it? Ooh, something to look forward to anyway. Yeah. Mm, curious, curious. <laughs> Speaking of curious, can we get on to Gina's tattoos? Oh, yes, please. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- tell uh, us about the next one. Okay. So episode 27, questioning the marks, could also be called, here's a giant backstory dump, guys. 
Whoa! Uh, for everyone, it's <laughs> for juicy. almost every single character that hasn't already had an enormous piece of backstory. So it starts off with Juna being naked, <laughs> covered in tattoos, <laughs> and she describes how she's added these tattoos over time to basically try and integrate a mark, which is a seven-petaled flower. Ah, uh, flower check. Yeah, the flower check. Finally. <laughs> so once every, I think it's seven generations, there are seven gnomes born, three for the light, three for the dark, and one for the balance. And they're basically all on a mission to maintain their element, the light, the dark, or the balance. Juna reckons she's for the balance, but... Who knows? Because they don't know each other. They don't talk to each other. It's just this law that's passed down through generations. And like gnomes live a long time. So once every seven generations is like, it's like thousands of years. (laughs) So she's just kind of, she had a mentor called Ginger and she's been trained by Ginger, but she's essentially working on gut instinct, which is part of the flower checks, to see what her destiny is. She says it's like her destiny pulling her towards something. And it's kind of like, you'll know when you know, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So everyone's questioning her. Guy is upset that he's not allowed to tell anyone about this because he wants to write a ballad about it because it's such a good story. <laughs> and to be honest, I would love this story time with Juna. This is another instalment. <laughs> yeah, we've had the woodcarver. Now we want to know more of the flower checks. Yeah. There's a brief interlude where they talk about Myra and they decide to keep going towards the Golden Forest. They're like, well, we'll just keep heading forward. Um, And Orin is very curious about Juna's marks because he has a mark on his arm and he doesn't know where it came from or how it got there. And it happened after he was barged off the roof when he was being chased. It just appeared and he's never been able to replicate the sort of magical incidents. I mean, it didn't stop him from getting hurt and busting his leg, but something happened. I mean, that's a pretty big backstory dump, but he's still holding his cards close to his chest. Oh, yeah. Damn it, Ben. (laughs) It's a small little nugget of information for us to get excited over and then close it up. Yeah. And realise we still know nothing. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And it's a very Orin way of doing it. Just sort of going, oh, um, I'm just curious, Juna, about about your marks, um, because I've got one. And it's like, oh. Oh, but it's very low key, like very tentative approach. And then it's very monosyllabic answers when they ask him questions about it. How very Orin. And then Gwen takes this opportunity to beautifully turn to Guy and go, Guys, do you feel like you're marked in any way? And everyone cracks up, including Gaius, who starts laughing hysterically. And he takes off his mask. Turns out underneath is a huge amount of unnatural disfigurement, as he describes it. So something very violent's happened to his face. He's got no nose. One of his eyes has been gouged out and a little piece of that ear has been taken off. And that's on the left side of his face. And they realise when he takes his mask off, that he's missing part of his left eyelid, which shows that his blue eye, as opposed to his purple eye, is a fake eye that's been very carefully painted. He doesn't say who did it. He just kind of says, oh, they're bad guys. I got in trouble. I don't want to talk about it. But as with everything Guy says, you wonder how much he's actually telling. Yeah. Like, is this another one of his elaborate cover-up lies? They all take it at face value and no one flipping insight checks him. And I'm so annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, because we've seen his charisma ain't that great. Right? You know, they could probably read him if they really tried. Right? They could really like dig into that and figure out, oh, is he still covering? Is he telling another story to cover? Um, So I'm not sure if his story of he's crossed some bad people like a gang and then his eye got gouged out by them is true because it's so unbelievably violent the way he describes the scars in a way that doesn't seem like a calculated sort of torture it seems almost like frenzied and yeah incredibly impulsive so that it feels like a mismatch to me at least but you know the gang sort of take it at face value and reassure him that they love him and that they'll keep it secret and keep his identity secret they all kind of decide to close the conversation there for the night and Juna and Enkidu take first watch. Juna contacts Ginger, her mentor, using the sending spell and Ginger says to just trust her actions and her destiny and Juna hasn't heard Ginger's voice for a really long time and she gets so hyped. She comes back to Enkidu. I don't think Vicky had ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> well, she comes back to Enkidu and is like... Oh, what do you want to do, Enkidu? What do you want to do? Like, she's so excited by this. She feels like she's on the right path. And so Enkidu takes that cue and uses the moment to take a feather from Ruana's wing and cast fly and go flying with (laughs) Ruana and Aggie. So it's just Enkidu zooming around with a couple of geese in the sky, which is an image I love. Someone do some fan art of that. (laughs) Sounds so great. So the next day, they all decide to keep going and they come across the town of Rudavel on the edge of Lake Trevain. Um, from there, they realise they can get a ferry to Drostad. So Myra realises that people might notice her. So they decide to disguise her as Gwen's sister. Oh, <laughs> Juna does a bang-up makeup job. <laughs> She keeps her bonnet down, pulled really low to disguise the terrible makeup job <laughs> that Gina does with her incredible role. I think it's like a six. Yep. <laughs> After Gwen goes, Gina's the best at makeup. <laughs> <laughs> and they decide to say that she's called Jenny, which was also c- hilarious. Um, and they split up. So Gwen sort of takes babysitting duty and takes Myra sort of down towards the docks. And then the rest of them head to the pub to sort of see what information they can gather, see what's going on. Both of them in their separate conversations realise that the ferry for the day has gone. So there's only one and it's in the morning, so they've missed it. And then Oren and Gaius are kind of propping up the bar, chatting to the barkeep. And the barkeep used to work for the Winthrops and the old trapper company trapping elementals. And then he's got a cool contraption to replace one of his hands, which is also made by the Winthrops. So you start seeing this kind of steampunky reality coming in to actually influence people's day-to-day lives. And they learn that there is, the old trapper company is around here and they ship batteries across Lake Dravain. So they find out that they can get across the lake if they ask for passage on one of the boats, um, one of the more working boats, not like a visitor ferry. And there's a human woman called Ali with amazing red hair who has a boat down by the docks and they can ask her if they can get passage. Probably I'll have to pay her a bit, but she's going out today. Cut to Gwen and Myra. They're chatting about their experiences all around Elton Pier and, and they're holidaying in carts as they head down to the docks. And it's very sweet having them have a little moment. 
They all kind of meet up down by Ali's boat. She says, yeah, absolutely. It'll cost this much to go across. They offer to help her with her shipments to sort of start it moving a bit faster. So Enkidu, Orin and Juna decide to go to the old trapper company and start loading boxes of elemental batteries onto the ship. And Gwen and Myra think it would be a better idea to sort of scooch down to the bow of the ship, stay away from everyone and skim rocks. And you have a really funny interaction with them about, isn't it better to just use the contraption to skim rocks rather than use your personal skills? (laughs) And Myra doesn't seem to understand why you wouldn't use a contraption. Just as they hear, people start questioning, have you seen a little girl down on the docks? Um, and Kidu and Gaius hear a hurdy-gurdy playing. Mm. Mysterious. Who could it be? <laughs> David hints that it's someone they know. And they're like, what? What? And then he ends the episode. Oh, God. That was the longest week of my life. I know. <laughs> Next episode to come. Who was it? I think they also brought out a, uh, no small questions in between those yep. episodes as well, just to delay it even more. But I think we were all asking ourselves... Who is this? Could it be? Is it? Maybe. I don't know. Dare to believe. Yeah. 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 I mean, what a great episode. (laughs) Yeah, I know. For, again, for exposition and, like you say, getting more of that, like, steampunky feel. But I'm getting a sense that maybe the Lake Ward is going to be more of, like, a built-up area where you're going to have more magical buildings, magical contraptions, things that do things all around. Considering how au fait Myra is with it as well. And everyone this side of the lake being pretty kitted out, pretty Robocop going on over there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. It's exciting. And actually, I hadn't realised until they spoke about it. Lake Dravain is enormous. They talk about mm. it looking like the ocean, like they can't see the other side. And it stretches so far across the landscape. I hadn't obviously looked at the map properly or I have very bad map conceptualising skills, <laughs> which is probably true, that, that latter one. I wouldn't worry. I think D&D is theatre of the mind, right? You know, you can have a map, but it's never to scale. Unless you're David, in which case it definitely to scale. I don't understand how to think about that in my brain and picture it until someone tells me very specifically. <laughs> I loved the, the description of Juna's tattoos. And I think I want to now know the story behind every single one of those tattoos if they all do allude to her life experiences and that she's she's saying that there's a tattoo of the rose and there's a tattoo of a thorn there were a few interesting ones on that list that she read out um having listened back to it a second time and actually taken in some of what of that list that she said i mean again i think one of them was she said there was a, a tattoo of a ship from the woden isles oh, which yeah. again suggests that she's visited at least or had some kind of dealings there which makes me wonder what's the story behind that Ooh, I did not pick that up. Mm. And yeah, there was there was a big, big, big long list, which she just kind of skimmed over. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how many of those come out in due course. Oh, more story time with Juna. <laughs> I'm going to make <laughs> this really happen. That's really interesting, actually. I, di- I didn't realise that, because I remember her talking about the woodworker. I just thought that that was like a tale that she was told and it's like, you know, story with morals kind of thing. But if it's on her body, then either that, tale has resonated with her i think there's more to it or she yeah has an experience with potentially as david put out there the person who could have made the pied pipe Mm. and how is that going to relate back to juna that's really interesting thanks for bringing that up Pip. i i i did not (laughs) notice that on first listen i'm gonna be honest 
It was a really long list of tattoos, but that one, the, the ship definitely pricked up my ears just because we know that's where, where Orin's from or has spent lots of time. So, Oh, it's these subtleties, isn't it? That you just don't always hear the details in the listen and then they, they pop out at you and you go, oh, hang on a second. Also, how does Juna know she's for the balance? She says she doesn't know. She just feels it. Yeah, but she like... has a feeling. I mean, I think she's playing Juna like a good version. But I don't know whether she's gone for balance because she does have moments of cheekiness and like moments of rage and flipping out like we might see very soon. Um, (laughs) Maybe it's a kind of like, I hope I'm for the balance. I definitely hope I'm not for the bad. Mm. But yeah, it's quite an interesting one that it leaves it open ended for for David to craft. And based on the Mm. decisions that she makes in this game, you might get to the point where they reach the end of the campaign and he's just like, oh, yeah, you're a bad one. Oh, I hope not. But the thing she says, the light and the dark, right? She doesn't say the good and the bad. She says the light and the dark. So we're automatically making an association that darkness is bad Mm. and light is good. But is it? Very true. And Twilight is the happy medium. (laughs) This made me want to play um, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess again. I'm playing a Twilight cleric at the moment and they are broken. They are so broken. Uh, Yeah, as a. This is completely off topic, but yeah, an Asimar. Uh, Twilight Cleric, so they've got like the Radiant Soul and everything. So good. But anyway, back to the podcast. Who is playing the hurdy-gurdy? i got to hear it. Sam, tell uh, us. Are we, are we, tell us. Are we moving on? Okay. Aptly titled episode 28, The Hurdy-Gurdy Hullabaloo. Yeah, so yeah, guys and Enkidu, the first thing that they see, they're kind of drawn by the sound of this music, which is beautifully stuffed in there by David and plays throughout the majority of this episode, just giving you like that that pumped up feeling the whole way through. But yeah, they, they kind of go down towards the edge of the dock, the pier, where this music is being played, and they see a large bird named Reggie, uh, who is jamming to the sound of the hurdy-gurdy, being played by a very recognisable halfling, with a blue moustache and matching afro. I, I think I was probably not the only one here who's just like, oh my god! And you even hear it in the players, because everybody instantly recognises this as the infamous Dwayne Fabulosa. Full disclosure, uh, I flipped out. Right? Like, completely. <laughs> you guys heard my voice messages. I was like, what? Yeah, we were we were messaging each other, being like, we have to talk about this immediately. This is the best episode ever. It's definitely up in my top three. But just the introduction of them, and the introduction of them as a player character as well, and what that was going to then mean for the rest of this episode blown away but yes the the first thing is that the Gaius and Enkidu like have this discussion about what are we going to do and it's decided that they're going to try and delay him before telling Gwendolyn what's going on uh so Guy goes over and he gives him like a couple of gold and basically says like oh that was so good play an encore and you know I'll, I'll bring my friends along basically to try and keep him there and in this moment I think Gaius falls in love with Dwayne's dazzling smile he's got one of those things in his teeth and his moustache I think and his eyes whenever he smiles they just sparkle oh he's so shiny (laughs) and that's guys his journey through this episode as well is like damn this guy's charming they consider trying to get Gwendolyn away before she finds out but then in the end they decide that it's better to tell her because otherwise she'll kick their ass while this is happening while they're like carrying this box of batteries back to the ship we check in with Dwayne a little bit more and we learn that Dwayne is planning to head north and Dwayne is told that the last ship heading north is Halley's so the exact same boat that the party have booked 
And then we cut back to Guy telling Gwendolyn what's going on. Upon hearing that Dwayne is in town, she storms off to confront him, who promptly turns up from the other direction, like, proclaiming his innocence. He immediately starts crying and like, Oh, Gwendolyn, oh, you're here! And then Juna just, like, steps in and give him this really long, overdue tongue-lashing. She doesn't let him speak. She just rails at him to the point of making him feel like a little, little boy, smaller halfling than he ever was. (laughs) Um, We then get Dwayne's version of events, where he claims that he was imprisoned by the Vondels uh, as their personal bard, and he only escaped with Heroica's aid. This is the bard that they met back in Berrien Fields. And he later goes on to explain that this reaction that Heroica had to the Dwayne Johnson rock moment was all an act, and that Heroica is a very, very talented performer, and that this was a plan all along. He also mentions that there was a hag who foretold that Gwen would be heading north across the lake, and that's why... Dwayne has been like scraping by to try and get here and and somehow despite the fact that we're all there like this is beautifully crafted bullshit (laughs) he's utterly believable uh he rolls like 26 on his deception or his persuasion check to get away with it and like everybody just starts to believe him and they're all like okay I get it yeah yeah he is very charming Gwen's mind is all over the place but he begs for forgiveness and although she does, like, give him a, a quick slap across the face, Sensitive they blind. do decide to journey across the lake together to let the healing begin, as Dwayne puts it. I, I mean, it's a bit of a weird moment when he says, I was planning on heading north, because it kind of suggests that he wasn't waiting for Gwendolyn anyway, that his, his true agenda was to just go north. And there's a little giggle from, from Vicky as soon as he mentions this. But while they're, they're prepping for travel, he shows off that he has this new bag with a fuzzy ball in it that can summon these like friendly animals. He, he had Reggie. He gives Gwen an example when he summons this tiger named Winthrop who's a very, very friendly tiger, though I'm guessing not as good a musician as Reggie is. <laughs> uh, but it's in this moment that he learns about the, the actual fate of the Vondells and that Gwen is now a skilled adventurer, that she can really handle herself. And I think that is actually a moment where he's like, oh, okay, good for you. You're still very attractive. As they are setting up to leave, Myra tugs on Enkidu's jacket and mentions that there are guards approaching. And these guards come up to the boat and they it's very clear that they're all looking for a small child, similar to the last episode. And Myra kind of takes this opportunity to hide below deck. But it's actually Dwayne who comes to the rescue here and suggests that they've seen a small girl with a half-orc lady further down the pier. So the guards are just like, oh, okay, you're instantly believable. I'll go this way. More bullshitting. Oh, that fabulous yeah, I, I don't. Charm. I don't think he's going to be able to fail a charm check. I really don't. So with this, they get onto the boat and they start to head away from Rudderville. And it's in this moment, while they're all kind of like looking off the back of the boat back towards town, that Dwayne sees a uh, familiar halfling named Arthur, uh, who's just stood on the dock and staring at him and then steps 
onto the water and begins to walk towards the boat. And you get this moment where Dwayne like completely flips out. He's like, ah, I want to feel the rush of the lake and like, you know, tries to speed everything up. The boat changes direction to head like more with the wind. And looking back behind him, he sees Arthur just like turns and starts following in a direct line for the boat. Eerie as anything. So he kind of like, he settles down and he has a little cuddle with Winthrop up against the mast and just tries to hide we get a really nice uh, tender moment between Enkidu and Myra, uh, who's clearly a fan of Gwenkidu, yes! as are we all. Yes! Um, but annoyingly, is very quickly won over by Dwayne's proclamation of love, and she just completely laps it up. Uh, he's so, so oozing charisma in this moment. And while this is happening, I think while they're using some kind of like complimentary gym membership in this boat, <laughs> uh, you've got a moment between Gwendolyn, who admits to Duna, she's still very much in love with Dwayne and trying to work out what that means for her. Uh, <laughs> so after this, everyone meets up because Myra takes a quick moment to basically divulge all of her information to Dwayne about what's happened with her family. Just comes right and says it that her parents are not her parents and it's decided that the the group should discuss it she explains that she's worried about this uh test that would normally happen at the workshop that basically helps her find her role within the winthrop family she doesn't want to cheat she wants to do it properly but the fact that her parents are not her parents means that it won't be like legitimate and that that needs to be dealt with first so they, they kind of plan that they're going to go to the workshop, but first they're going to go to this character named Theracene, who Myra trusts and will be able to broach with this information about her family not being who they say they are. After this moment, like, Dwayne and Gaius both pick up this tune, like, Dwayne starts playing on the hurdy-gurdy and then Gaius can't hold it in any longer and he just has to join in and they all have a good dance. And as Reggie is dancing with Gwendolyn, like, they, they're spinning together and all of a sudden, instead of Gwendolyn, Dwayne sees Arthur again, this time on the boat, looking really, really sinister. Kind of lets out this shriek and then it's like, no, that's the way we do it here. So, like, continue shrieking and Guy's joining in. But Juna quickly does what she does best and cast detect thoughts and realizes that there is more going on clearly scared of this arthur character so she confronts him about it and the list leads to a private conversation elsewhere where apparently they're finding a barbecue because there's also a barbecue on this boat uh, on this luxury yacht but basically Dwayne puts it forward that it's about gwendolyn's safety so naturally juna wants to talk more about this and Dwayne warns that there is an ominous force that's supposedly stalking Gwendolyn, uh, which he refers to as the ghost cow. <laughs> uh, and uh, as he's explaining this and giving this description, like when he gets to the end of it, they both hear this cowbell ring out from near them on the deck. And like running over to it, they find written in this, uh, it's described as a tar-like substance, are the words, why did you leave me? which obviously raises some questions for Juna. But while this is going on, Enkidu basically walks over to Myra as like, you should play your cards a little bit closer to your chest. Don't just trust everybody with a smile. And Gaius has a moment to admit his infatuation with Dwayne to Orin, who then uh, we get a little bit more information from Orin, uh, who admits that he's more into the soldier type. And Gaius is just like, yeah, go on. But he's ultimately saved by the bell because they all meet up for this another group meeting. Gwendolyn comes down and this time she's like dressed to the nines, looking fantastic. And they discuss this ghost cow theory. And Ikidu's like, no, this is bullshit. I'm, I'm calling a stop to this now. Uh, and then they hear the bell again. 
And this time it's coming from below deck, which prompts loads of things like, oh my god, Bessie's down there. Uh, they start to hear like hoof sounds, and it, it turns out it is Bessie, but they're like, maybe this ghost cow thing is real. Uh, and they head down below deck to see Arthur in very corporeal form next to a box of these elemental batteries and just literally with an armful of them drops them onto the ground and they explode with this like force that sends everyone including Bessie backwards and you you just finish the episode as these elemental uh, creatures are starting to take form which leaves us on a major cliffhanger but what an episode oh my god oh my god it blew my mind yeah full disclosure i have been completely won over by Dwayne fabulosa and the amazing jeremy cobb right yeah immediately i the sparkles are in my eyes i am starstruck (laughs) i love him Well, it's just, like, we, we've got this impression of Dwayne through what Gwen has been saying about him. And, like, clearly we were like, oh, okay, he's going to be charismatic. But the way that he was played and the stories that he told throughout the episode just made so much sense as to why she was so wrapped up in him. He played it perfectly. I can't stress that enough. And I'm I'm so glad that it turned out to be a player character. Yeah. Because as much as, like, I'm, I'm sure David had an idea of who Dwayne Fabulosa was going to be, it would still be based on stats. It wouldn't be as contested. David would still have to play the character. And, like, at some point, the characters would have been able to see through all these lies, right? You know, eventually a check would have happened. And David talked about this after we we recorded No Small Questions the other day. Apparently, they banded about a few different characters. And when Jeremy came up with the idea for playing Dwayne Fabulosa, that's it. David was like, no, you don't come up with any more characters. That's the one you're playing. And the way they built the character together was purely to suit this, like, this oozing charisma, this ability to lie and persuade as if they're one and the same thing. I'm so glad they did it. And the way he came in, the way he played that episode was just pure perfection. so good. And also, can we talk about the music that David made for Dwayne? (laughs) Oh, God. Key change! Just, I mean, next level. Next level. Yeah. I mean, you you can literally hear David's head spinning (laughs) as he's DMing it going, oh, my goodness, I have to write this music now. Yeah. (laughs) When everyone's calling out suggestions, let's have a sea shanty, let's have a key change. Now I bust out my loot. And he's just... But he rolled with it. But he did a stellar job. He did. He did indeed. He smashed it out of the park. Well done, David. I I think there's no limit to this guy's talents. Yeah. Props to David. He just takes it and runs with it, doesn't he? Continually manages to smash it out of the park every single time. I loved when Gwen re-encountered Dwayne and realised how tiny he was. Yes! Compared to her. (laughs) You're shorter than I remember. Just so... It was priceless. (laughs) But I mean, you know, obviously gonna have to do uh, a shout out to three black halflings which i've since yes. been listening to Obsessed. um so Obsessed. he was always going to be a black halfling uh, there was also if you haven't checked out the instagram there has been a uh, a photo posted which is taken from hero forge where you can design your own custom miniatures but there's a version of Dwayne Fabulosa on there and oh it just goodness, it really ties wow. the two together go go check it out yeah. it's it's brilliant and it just like yeah yeah that's who we were listening to Massive shout out to that show, though. It's really good for people that are either seasoned veterans of role-playing games, particularly D&D in general, but it's for like little DM tips, uh, Dungeon Master tips for people who are starting out. Don't do this, do this instead. But also for players and how to uh, 
be more inclusive in your game oh. instead of talking about things like race and stuff like that talk about uh species oh and also can i just say having now totally binge listened to it it's so entertaining the it three really of is. them are such great crack i feel like i'm having a laugh with them in the room and these topics that feel maybe a bit unapproachable sometimes they just make so approachable and so fun that it's like yeah oh my god why haven't we been doing this all along they're so great yeah it's so easy listening uh but that is the plug go check it out three black halflings and the wonderful jeremy cobb who also i have to point out i remember from no small questions when jerominus cobbamus maximus asked a question like oh Dwayne fabulosa is such an interesting character i wonder if we'll see him at some point <laughs> you knew, you cheeky oh my god God, that just makes me love Jeremy yeah, even more. Yeah, didn't click until after I read that. I don't oh. know who I love more, Jeremy or Dwayne, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> just such, such a good, good episode. One that you needed as well. Like the whole, it's, it's the way that everybody warmed to him and the music going, them all having a dance and stuff, but still having the classic David sinister element yeah. to it. Um, the ghost cow. Yeah, because you can... <laughs> You can win over characters, sure. But, you know, they, they stuck to, no, this guy is a shit because this is somebody that, this Arthur character, this same thing has happened to them. And um, I have a theory. I have actually discussed this with Pippa, but I have a theory. And I do know that by the time this comes out, the next episode will have aired. So I might look really stupid by suggesting this, but I just have a feeling. Hannah, have you ever heard of something called a revenant? Yes. In games? Yeah. Yeah. When they were describing uh, <gasps> Arthur, that's what a I thought of. You know, it's that whole, like, why did you leave me? Did something happen? Again, you know, Dwayne, his standard, especially with Gwendolyn, he took her away from her family, took all of her money, and basically stranded her and left her for dead. Oh, my God. Like, she was about to be kicked out of that tavern in episode two when Gaius turned up and they started their journey together. But what if that actually went really wrong? That makes so much sense because revenants are spirits that are basically destined to constantly reincarnate if they're quote unquote killed and follow the person, like the unfinished business, essentially. Yep. And you get like lots of knights who have not completed their missions on the battlefield and they want to sort of like, they're chosen to like sworn against their enemy. But if Arthur is a revenant, that makes a huge amount of sense. <gasps> or, or something similar anyway. I, I'll read the description as it's written in the manual. A revenant forms the soul of a mortal who met a cruel and undeserving fate. It claws its way back into the world to seek revenge against the one who wronged it. Sounds familiar, right? Mm -hmm. But then a revenant doesn't require air, food, drink or sleep. No magic can hide a creature pursued by the revenant, which always knows the direction and distance between it and the target of its vengeance. So this explains the boat. Yeah, exactly. Yep. When that moment happened... And walking on water. Yeah. Yeah. And it turning up, like, they are still intelligent creatures. So it's like, mm -hmm. oh, there's a bunch of elemental batteries here. Boom deal with this then yeah uh you're out in the middle of open water on a wooden boat you know i i just i'm really looking forward Dwayne, to this next what episode what did you do <laughs> i just loved the successive it was almost like watching him knock down a bunch of bowling pins where they would everyone would come and stand up to him and go no i know Dwayne's a shit and then as soon as he opens his mouth they just totally fall for it just like one after the other <laughs> 
Even Enkidu, who's like, don't fall for it. Eventually, by the end, it's like, oh, this Dwayne guy is not so bad, is he? Yeah. Although, Just amazing. He is the only one, though. And I think this was really clever of Daryl to be like, no, I would be so at odds against this character that I wouldn't even be looking in to see if they're telling the truth. Mm-hmm. He purposely did not roll an insight check mm. because that would mean that he would have to go along with whatever was being said. But he was able to call it out as what mm-hmm. it was. You know, this whole ridiculous ghost cow thing that was going on. But yeah, you're right. Watching Juna do that complete 180 was so brilliant. Yes. And well played, Vicky. The the screaming at him and the not letting him speak was priceless. Uh, It was so good. uh, This episode was just everything. It was amazing. We've got a horse. So, yeah, again, Orin, like, letting letting on uh, something about, you know, soldier types. And is this Orin trying to open up and then quickly realising, oh, no, that was too far and I'll lock it Does back down. Does he have a crush on that's an quite a big thing to... Enkidu's a soldier type. Mm. He is. And he can fly. I mean, that's that's pretty attractive. Oh, now I'm like, hmm, Enkorin? Instead of Gwenkidu? <laughs> I don't know. This is such a, a twisted triangle. New hashtag, please. <laughs> Orindu? Orindu? Does that work? I, I don't know. Yeah. I picked up on one tiny thing. This is nowhere near as interesting or exciting as those other ones. But the tiger with the name Wingthrup. What's that all about? Yeah. Mm. And I was I was really hoping that someone would say, what was Myra's reaction to this tiger having her surname as its name? Mm. That's true, because they did put a nod. I think it was Grace, uh, as as Gwendolyn put out there, like, oh, any relation to the Wingthrups? Mm. Um, I, yeah, I don't know whether and this is... it was is... just, oh, the tiger doesn't understand. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Swept over. Mm. Dwayne too dazzling. But yeah, I don't know whether this was like Jeremy had an idea for like, oh, if this animal comes up, then it will have that name or whether it was like an off the cuff kind of thing that was partially influenced by like hearing the Wingthrup name earlier on or whether there is something more to it than that. I'd like to think that there's something a bit more to it Mm. because he he really took a shine to Myra by the looks of things Mm. when they were down there, you know, constantly praising her, which he didn't need to do with the other characters, but he felt the need to do with her to kind of win her over. He he recognises, yeah, useful people and will definitely try and charm useful people. So Gwen would have been very useful to him because of her noble connections and Myra being a Wingthrup will be useful to him because of her connection to the Wingthrups. And I feel like he's very good at going, oh, yes, your connections or your name will benefit me and therefore I will charm you. Oh, I can't wait to see how this all pans out. He's good at playing those strengths. And we we do know that there is only one more episode with Dwayne Fabulosa. No. That has been disclosed. For now. So for now. For now. But it does make me wonder <laughs> what is going to happen. How are they going to round this story off? Like, how is it going to end, like you say, for now, between Dwayne and Gwendolyn? How are they going to see things off? Is she going to decide that she is in love with him and that whole fire is back? Or is that going to end dramatically in some way in you know completely polar direction i have absolutely no idea is he even going to come out of it alive exactly no, what's what's going to happen in this Dwayne next at all costs. in some way this has to be resolved yeah i just have no idea how they're going to do it i can't wait it could go so many ways oh it's going to be brilliant and i can't wait to watch them fight loads of elementals i am worried for bessie yep i'm worried for bessie and i'm also worried for hallie oh. because she's just kind of been dragged into this for 
no reason. She's already kind of like put off by the conversations that they're having on the boat. And now there's a bunch of elementals below. And we don't know how many there are going to be. This... It ended with a bang. It's going to start with a bang this next episode. <laughs> yeah, Hallie doesn't get paid enough for this. They haven't given her enough money. <laughs> and I do I do worry that Gwen is usually one of their strongest fighters, but she's not really got much in the way of being able to fight. If it's anything like what they had in episode 26, she's not going to be that useful in this, in this fight. She's also dressed in her best. I don't know if that's going to scupper her ability at all. <laughs> Probably not. She's Although she did spend a lot of the episode working out, so, you know, she's pumped and ready for that's true <laughs> she's ready to go she should probably have a level of exhaustion for that but uh, don't give david no, any who ideas would be that cruel? <laughs> he won't hear this until it's i think the, the episode's been recorded yeah, yeah, we're probably yeah. okay but still yeah. for future um i guess enkidu's just gonna have to protect her again because that is his job now oh, no. the wise head on newly protective shoulders to err as human and all that He's really, really stepped into that. I am the father figure of the group here. I will keep you all safe. Punch anyone in the face I, uh, to stop Aww. them getting near to you. Yeah. And these wonderful one-liners he keeps coming out with. Yeah, like when you said, to err is human, to forgive is divine. Yeah. Beautiful. Lovely work, Daryl. Before we finish, if you could pick one favourite moment from this trilogy of episodes, what would it be? Good question. Yeah, go on, Hannah. Okay, so I was going to say, of course, the whole Dwayne Fabulosa episode, I have expressed many times how much I love it. <laughs> but in terms of little moments, the rivalry between Orin and Myra just brings me so much joy. All the funny little quips, I just, every time it comes up, it makes me so happy. I think that, that, that might choice. be some of my favourite. Particularly that, oh, they'll never believe he's a Winthrop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so harsh. Or just Orin's little, I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh gosh, goodness. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with the so much backstory coming out in episode 27. Yeah. That was wonderful. And I enjoyed learning more about Guy and Guy probably being more truthful than he's ever been and revealing this vulnerability in this part of himself. And yeah, just them all sharing. They feel like they're on a much more equal footing now. Like, you know, we knew quite a lot about one or two of them and we knew next to nothing about the others. But yeah, they feel like they've all genuinely actually shared. Opened up a bit. Yeah, Yeah, that's my favourite. And for me, I it is really tough because in these three episodes, so many different things happened that it's hard to pick one. But the thing that has just stood out to me, and I've I've listened to this section, I'm not going to lie, about five times. It's the the whole ghost cow the (laughs) description of it before the sound of juna just like lapping up all that information the line don't drink the milk (laughs) it's evil moo the moo (laughs) echoing across the moors or whatever it was i was just like yes 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 more classic example of actor just going off on one (laughs) but you know this this whole idea that no matter what he says if you insight check it you're gonna believe it and that, yeah, that for me was a was a favourite moment and a real kind yeah, of like winning me over as a listener. Uh, I was like, yeah, I don't want this guy to die now. I want things to be resolved because I need this guy around. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've really enjoyed talking about these episodes. There's been so much to talk about. Like, can you imagine if we'd done this in a run of six oh, and no, not miss. actually had the time to discuss it? No, absolutely not. There's, there's no way we would have been able to do that. Just so much, so much to discuss. They're too good. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, at time of recording, only a couple of days to go now until we actually find out what is going to happen. So until the next time that we can get around this call and discuss things, really hope you enjoy the next couple of episodes. Let's meet back here in three and do the same thing. Yes, please. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Uh, And to everybody who is listening, if you've liked what you've listened to, please consider, if you haven't already, liking and subscribing to the podcast because we love it. And every little bit of support just helps other people find the podcast. Gets more listeners in means that we can release a little bit more content mm-hmm. and also if you haven't already but you would like to consider funding the show helping them out uh, with monetary gifts there are patreon packages that are available and i myself uh, recently signed up to the top tier uh, <gasps> because there's just yeah i know there's a little gem on there that is basically play at the table with david as your dm and having experienced that in the past i was like yes definitely sign me up uh, but even that top package it's only 15 quid that is the maximum package that you can go for so that's 15 quid a month which might be a little bit too much for some i'm not sure but in terms of like that being the maximum exactly and like the stage is below you know there is so much content for all of those joining us on no small questions in the audience and you know for such a small amount of money you are funding something that you love and it means that they're able to continue releasing gold so yeah do consider at least having a look maybe click on the little teaspoon package which is only a quid a month and gets you a bunch of benefits you can see how much you're enjoying it how much you want to support it anymore but that's as much as i'm going to say about this i love plugging this show but i mean the proof is here it's glorious yeah and i hope you're enjoying listening to our part as well it's a show that <laughs> definitely creates super fans oh yeah it's just yeah so oh so good. easily so yeah. easily our numbers are growing. I don't think I'll be holding this spot for Super much longer. Fan. Everybody else is taking over. over. <laughs> join us. Join us. One of us. We've got Pippa now. <laughs> yes. yes. I've infiltrated. <laughs> I'm here. Here to stay. Oh, uh, this has been great. I can't wait to do this again with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, right. It's time to say goodbye. We're doing the three word or the one. Okay. Anon for now. Oh, we're getting really good at that. Yes, Anon. <laughs> That's the best one yet. We said that last time. <laughs> <laughs>
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 